Although we only had, you know, 20 to 30 people coming each month and they didn't always come. So let's say 20 to 30 subscribed members that fluctuated up and down. I still managed to turn over six figures in 10 months. And the reason for that is I had a back-end coaching program that I created as well, where for three months or six months, but generally three months, people would work with us for 15 grand. Now, uh, from that, we got what, one, two, three. I had two clients that basically paid me, no, three clients that paid me 15, 30, so 15, 25, $75,000, okay, from three, three clients. So was it worth going to the effort of that little piece of paper and building the value ladder, then taking the risk to hire a room and try and fill it and spend about four grand on Facebook ads, borrow um, some money to seed fund this, and then take that risk of getting out there and saying, hey, entrepreneurs, come and meet up with us every month. You know, we're not going to try and hardcore sell you, but we have expenses to cover. But I guarantee we'll put you in a room. You'll work out feeling better than when you walked in. And that's what we did. We helped a lot of people make some career changing moves. We had a lot of people start a business. We had a lot of people, you know, really sit on the fence and plant ideas about what they're going to do in their life. And I think there's a lot of value. It's all a test. Ladies and gentlemen, Vaughn here. Awesome to have you. Bear with me. I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. What do you think separates winners from losers? People that make it from people that don't. You're probably listing out a whole lot of things, right? I'm going to boil it down and think about one thing. It is the ability to come back after repeated failures. I think that's the thing that fundamentally separates it all. Now, there's a whole slew of questions, philosophies, psychologies, behaviors, beliefs, habits, strategies, and pretty much any other adjective you could describe about the human condition that would back up why a person can come back from failure. But today I want to talk about how it's all a test. And so what did I do today towards scaling where I want to go? Well, the most direct path for me is utilizing advertising, but it's a space that's I've loved and hated over the years. And to give you some background, my experience is in digital, Facebook, Google, YouTube advertising. That's sort of the space that I understand in terms of paid advertising. Media buying is a very complex, big world. So I've never run ads on TV. I've been on radio, but I haven't run ads on radio. I've run a few ads in the paper, but the money's better spent online because it's cheaper for attention at the moment. So there's currently a huge amount of reach and things you can get using online media. The thing is, most people get overwhelmed by it. So to give you some perspective, in 2010, I launched my very first Facebook ad and I thought that was stressful. <laughs> like I was like, this is crazy. And to give you some more framework, what am I doing when I'm launching an ad? What's it all about? Well, in the most simple, easy to understand manner, you're trying to find leads. That's it. And though you want to convert those leads into sales. I mean, if you keep it rudimentary, that's that's how a business runs. People don't know you, they need to know you, and they get to know you by finding you. And they can find you organically, as we've talked about before, and there's various methods for that. But once they find you, f fundamentally, they're either going to say yes or no to working with you or buying a product. 
And they may not be ready now to do that, but they might be ready later. What's changed over the years is the complexity around running ads online. So what I did today is I set up about 15 Facebook ads. I delivered uh, to clients. So I had client delivery day. I had to deliver what uh, people have hired me to do. I edited and uploaded two videos. I edited and tweaked an opt-in page, which I'll talk about in a second. I edited a sales page, and then I edited automations around the back end of emails when people come in. Now, have you ever gone to a website and it said, subscribe here for my newsletter? And you're like, hell no. But then maybe somewhere else on the site, subscribe here for like my free report that details X, Y, and Z. Valued at 30 bucks, but you can have it for free. Just give me your email, right? Now that's called a lead magnet. Forgive me if I'm speaking to the initiated here, but that's the pretty much the fundamental way to build an email list online. And it doesn't really change. I don't care what people say. That is a tried and true method that really does work, but markets get saturated and attention gets harder to get. So especially as uh, platforms evolve and technology changes. But ideally, giving content away is not a new idea. It's been around for years, like way before the internet, way before technology. It's it's samples, you know, with a new magazine from your favorite, you know, woman's subscription. It, it, it's been around like that forever. So we always are interested in something we can get that's relatively low-hanging fruit. And so that that is what you would call an opt-in. You're opting in. You're giving the option to be marketed towards. And, you know, you get those emails that you hate, right? But that's because people try to sell you, sell you, sell you. I'm all about the idea of building relationship by sharing a past story and past stories that really help inspire people or like sharing ideas about what you're about to build that relationship. And, and we can talk about that a bit more, but I want to remind you, it's all a test. Everything's a test, every single thing. Now, I'm not going to talk about the mechanics of opt-in pages or sales pages of automation or how Facebook ads work in that sense. We can talk about that a little bit later. What I'd like to exemplify is what everything being a test actually means specifically for me. So let me give you an example of a business I set up. I think it was around 2016, 2017. I can't remember the date exactly off the top of my head. It's quite late at night. But either way, this is how it worked. So like most things, doing this podcast, doing pretty much any idea I think is quite good, building out a brand new product or a course, I have a habit of starting extremely quickly because the universe loves speed. So I got the idea to do a meetup one day for entrepreneurs. I was like, I think my town is struggling in this front and I'd really like to hang out with other entrepreneurs. But being sort of, you know, having a bigger vision than just organizing a meetup, I was thinking, oh yeah, well, what's my value ladder? So straight off the bat, I like in an earlier episode, you should listen to on the value ladder. I sat down with a blank piece of paper and said, if I create these meetups every month, I want it to be a subscription model. So 20 bucks a month will cover the cost of the room if I can get 20 to 30 people to come every month, right? Because that's what, 20 times 20, $400 or 30 people, that's $600, right? So $600 will cover the costs of the room, any printed materials I may need, my time and advertising, of course, because that's fundamentally where I'm going to get people is from advertising in my local community on Facebook and Google, right? Okay. So the idea was born. I wanted to create this, but then I was thinking, well, obviously that's just the bread and butter. Where do I get the cream? So I was like, well, what if I record each one of these and then make it a membership and the people that come each month get access to the recordings, but I didn't record the meetings. What I did is I recorded four lessons that you could use for the month in between the meetings. 
So if you joined, you would get access to a free membership site as part of the subscription. So if you couldn't come, the value was still there. See, I think that was smart because that way people were like, well, I can't make every month. I'm not going to join. But they go, oh, hold on. I have this other complimentary product that we can use within the meeting, or you can use it on your own. But either way, it works to move you, right? To move you towards your goals. And so I went, cool. Now that can also be sold internationally online, you see? So it's thinking local, thinking local, local. What the hell's local? Thinking local, acting global, right? And so, and it's something I could leverage off later. But then I also thought, of course, what's the next logical step? Well, people could buy that as an annual package for say three or $400, so that's a bigger sale. They could also then upgrade to say being a VIP and pay a little bit more and maybe get a mastermind. Or what I actually did was work with high ticket clients. And it was really interesting because <laughs> Alison, my amazing wife, look, like I said before, I don't always share the exact idea of what I'm going with with anyone till I start doing it or get a few sales. And then I'm like, let's go. I may have borrowed a few thousand dollars from one of our businesses to seed fund this. And I went, I'll pay it back. <laughs> and uh, I put about 10 grand into this idea. And that was used to say, set everything up, website, logo, which I mean, to be honest, was fairly cheap, but I really spent about four to five grand of that on Facebook ads to get people to come. And in the beginning, we only had a, like two or three, four people. I can't really remember the exact number, but it was not like we had 50 people in the room the first month we started. We only had a handful. So there was no recoup of that initial money, right? But I knew the value ladder existed. So we did have people signing up from you know January that year starting out and each month we grew the membership, right? Now, we really never got past, so I'd say, I think that the maximum, again, I'm just, it was under 50. So we had under 50 people at some point, at our highest point. But it always fluctuated because memberships are very difficult to, to scale in a lot of ways. And you get people that cancel and it's called a churn rate. So there was definitely churn. We sort of averaged somewhere between 20 to 35 members coming every month, which I think is reasonable. But here's what's a cracker. This is really important to pay attention to. And if you're listening this long into the podcast, I'm going to reward you right now. If you have a value ladder, this is the type of thing you can do from this type of idea. Although we only had you know, 20 to 30 people coming each month and they didn't always come. So let's say 20 to 30 subscribed members that fluctuated up and down. I still managed to turn over six figures in 10 months. And the reason for that is I had a back-end coaching program that I created as well, where for three months or six months, but generally three months, people would work with us for 15 grand. Now, uh, from that, we got what, one, two, three. I had two clients that basically paid me, no, three clients that paid me 15, 30, so 15, 25, $75,000. Okay, from three three clients. So was it worth going to the effort of that little piece of paper and building the value ladder, then taking the risk to hire a room and try and fill it and spend about four grand on Facebook ads, borrow um, some money to seed fund this, and then take that risk of getting out there and saying, hey, entrepreneurs, come and meet up with us every month. You know, we're not going to try and hardcore sell you, but we have expenses to cover, but I guarantee we'll put you in a room. You'll work out feeling better than when you walked in. And that's what we did. We helped a lot of people make some career changing moves. We had a lot of people start a business. We had a lot of people, you know, really sit on the fence and plant ideas and about what they're going to do in their life. And I think there was a lot of value. From that, we actually ended up creating coaching programs, right? That actually coached coaches. So that's a different story for another time. 
But fundamentally, there's that 75K from three members. We had a couple other clients within that year. Uh, so within 10 months, I remember it clearly, it was around the end of August where I doubled down on what we we're doing. And I said, you know what, rather than doing this just for, and here's the other thing you got to take away. This is really important to understand. So there's not only just setting up that idea and just going for it and then asking people to pay for it off the bat. You might be thinking, oh, I should do something for free. And it's like, look, free always gets the wrong market. And I know what you're going to say, but don't you give away free things online? I do. But you're also trying to disqualify people from that as well by offering something for sale so you can start working with people who want to work with you. I mean, think of it this way. What you buy you value, right? Like what you spend your money on is the thing that you're going to pay more attention to. And everything that's given that you take up for free, you discard just as easily, but you pay more attention to what you buy. And that's true, right? For all of us. So I'm trying to find those people. And I thought, let's double down. Let's do two seminars a month. So we've got a meetup for people who want to join us, but let's make a funnel for people who don't know about us, but who want to come for free. And so in August, I filled the room and I think this one had about 30 to 50 people in it. It was quite good, like for a free event in winter in our town. I was quite stunned. And again, Facebook ads were running on that one. And we got people in the room for what I called an achievement masterclass. And I just broke it down into three things that I would teach. And look, I'll give you a tip. You ever want to know what do you teach someone? Seriously, take out a piece of paper and think of a problem and go, okay, all right. My ideal people that I work with, they suck with productivity. What's three things I could teach someone to be more productive? Use a diary, turn off your distractions and have boundaries. There we go. Done. Write those three things down and you could talk on those each one for 20 minutes you literally have a seminar, okay? Put it into a beautiful booklet to give people for free and people will more likely turn up because now you look like you're adding more value and you are. And so I did that, Achievement Masterclass. That was not the subject matter, but I would teach it over two hours for three subjects uh, that I wanted people to go through. We would mastermind, we'd talk, it'd be Q&A, right? Because everything I do is interactive. There'd be music, I hired a DJ. I like my events to have lights. So it was really awesome, right? It was a really fun, look, you could say it was Tony Robbins inspired, but I'm not really, I'm not him. It was my type of thing. Like I was DJ music. It was cool, right? I enjoyed it. And so free people came. What happened from that? Within two weeks, I had my first $15,000 client. So it took between January and August to sort of, you know, do the old scraping by just like, okay, each month, come on, get the marketing messages out, get those Facebook ads to convert, try to make get people to come from anywhere, right? Get bums in seats each month and see how it goes. And then I was like, you know what? Double down, get a free event going where we can offer people to join this club. And if, and then we, you know, what we do on the side of that is we met, we just meet up and sometimes we met in a room, sometimes we met in a cafe. And then they got this free online membership and those who were more interested and seriously wanted help could hire me as a coach. And they did. And isn't that crazy within like, August to uh, October, there there were several people lining up to become high paying five uh, figure coaching clients with me. And so within 18 months, it went well over a hundred grand. And so it's interesting how those ideas get birthed from nothing. Now it ended up bombing and fizzling out and morphing into something else now that I do, which then ended up helping me land $25,000 clients. But and look, results like this are not typical because it's not, there's no direct flow for any of this. It's not like I put a Facebook ad up and I can get like 25 grand clients. It doesn't work like that. But 
there's a back end to all of this that I'm trying to educate you through with what we're doing on this podcast. And today it was all about setting up Facebook ads to help build out more leads into my business. Because listen, you just need more people coming onto your email list so you can build that relationship with them. And I remember learning and doing this back in the real estate days in the early 2000s where you couldn't even do email marketing that well. I mean, it was around, but not really that well well implemented. And I kept an Excel spreadsheet of 200 people and I sold millions of dollars of property just off that, keeping an update. And people in the office thought I was stupid. So like I've always understood the value of having these types of relationships, but the key is where do you get them from? And so if you're not mastering like advertising online, this is what I came to realize today. If I'm not mastering advertising or upskilling because my skills of the past are helping me, but listen, the game's changed and I felt a little bit out of balance. And I was like, I got to get back on top of this. So I bought a course on how to do Facebook ads. And I started, I bought it yesterday. I started implementing it today because I needed an update. I needed to know, God, like what, there are so many options now. How do I actually cut through the noise and, and just still get my ads to go? Because the ads I started running in 2010, all you did was put an ad up and literally you could make money off that ad straight away. It did not take a lot of effort. It did not have to be a good ad. Do you know why? Because most people did not or recognize Facebook ads, right? Like when they first came out, it was like, oh, it was like a new thing. So it was pretty cool and it was very easy to convert. But even then I was getting people on my email list, then making a sale as soon as they got on my email list. That's where I did it. And, and because that way I could always remarket to them, right? If they said no. So you might say no to something, but in 30 days you might say yes, right? But if I don't have your contact details, I've wasted that. So creating this on this entrepreneur meetup, it had it always had this structure in the beginning in mind. Now it might seem overwhelming to you, but God, it's smart, right? Like if you just think about it, just plan it a little bit to and then you have to be flexible with the plan, but get a little idea of this value ladder going on and go, okay, what's gonna happen? And and what I'm gonna stress to you is all a test. You have no idea if it's going to work. And if someone turns up, you better celebrate the heck out of that and be like, oh my God, it worked. It fucking worked. <sighs> okay, cool. Right. It's now getting real. I got to deliver because often I would create the way for someone to purchase something, but not actually have everything built out at the back end. So you got to get busy at that point, right? Because you have integrity, you got to deliver. But it's much easier to deliver when you know someone's relying on you. You know, that's the way I like to operate anyway. So, but it's all a test. Like, look, these 15 Facebook ads I put out today, it may seem like a lot. It's not really. It's just, I don't know which one is going to convert. Like the audiences they're all talking to are all different. So I've got to let the algorithm do its work, but it's all a test. So I'm going to lose money on some of those ads. I don't like losing money, but because at least there's a back end of lead capturing, and then awesome email following up and automation, that's going to help me to recoup things. Because here's the thing, one lead now in three years could be a 15 or 20 or $30,000 client. They could be a $10,000 client, a $5,000, a $500. It doesn't matter, right? Because those are humans. They're people that we can serve who just may not be ready. And so if we have that attitude of like, okay, get the numbers, definitely find the people in the next week who want to buy, absolutely but also engage and nurture the people long-term because that's where you're really going to be able to grow a business. But it's all a test. Like you have no idea if your market is going to respond to anything. So you can't really just do one thing and then expect that 
to be the like, please make it, please make it, please make it. So if you've got a course that you've created, you have to be willing to upskill and learn the skill of doing any type of advertising online. You also have to be willing to invest money in that and realize that the back end will help you to recoup costs over time. And it's actually okay to, to lose money on leads, right? Like it's actually okay for a lead to cost you three, four, five dollars for them to get on your email list. So long as you know on the back side of that, you've got products in place or sales in place to help you recoup that. And that's really, really important. Like I said, that initial 10 grand that I borrowed, I ended up paying back within what, 10 months? Because as soon as the first high paying client came through, boom, all the all the expenses were paid back. Then I had like five grand profit left. I was like, oh, that's pretty sick. Now it's time to reinvest that because that's what you do. And, and look, most people don't hear this enough, but well, they're not told enough or they just think they just get hit greed factors too much. You've got to reinvest your business money a lot when you first start. So even if it sounds, oh, wow, what do I do with a hundred grand? It's not a hundred grand, right? Like you pay tax on that anyway. It's like 11,000 depending on where you live. Then you've got that. Well, that's like your business tax. Then you've got your personal tax on top of that uh, minus all your expenses. So you've got your advertising costs, your rental costs, your print costs, your stationary costs, your travel costs, your opportunity costs, right? Because what it costs you to do that, it really whittles down. So it is not like that sits in your bank account, right? You've got to be really prepared that when you make money, you reinvest it to keep it growing. And that's what the scaling idea is about, right? It's like, okay, there's traction, there's money coming in, but I've got to be really, really a custodian of that money. I've got to be very, very smart because again, these platforms, that first four grand on Facebook I spent, I didn't make a hundred grand off that, right? In fact, that first $4,000 I spent on that idea, nothing. I don't even think I got one person to sign up. And I was like, Oh no, I just got, I got punished, man. Oh my God. But you know what? The mark, you do get punished. The market punishes you. Crypto, the market will punish you if you try to be greedy and you don't know what you're doing. Stocks will do the same. The markets just do that, right? So I learned from that and went, oh, I went too heavy, bit too confident thinking I knew it all. Damn. Well, well, now I've learned. Let's do things a little slower. And we got on the phones and started calling businesses. You see the difference, right? Like switched up tactics, went old school, grabbed the phone, started dialing businesses. That's how you do it. You pivot if you need to. Then the money came in. I was happy to recoup those costs and those losses and then start drip feeding a little bit more advertising again. But cracking the code on that is a big deal for me. Now, on the other side of this, I have another business where I use Google ads religiously. Like I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on Google ads. I freaking love Google ads, but they're a different beast and platform. But honestly, I think they're easier. I think they're much easier, particularly if you have a service business that's local. It's very easy to use. I think I think it's I think I think Facebook and Google are both good and bad depending on the, what you're selling. But if you're like a local service or something, Google ads are awesome. Like really, really handy to know. And whatever skills you learn about marketing, headlines, creation, how to build an ad it's easy to translate that onto then anything else like LinkedIn, Twitter, Twitch, wherever ads are offered. If you understand how they work, well, that's a good thing to learn, but I'm going to stress to you. It's all a test. You don't, you might write the best freaking ad and have the best copy and the best pictures. And then you, it's just bombs. You just don't know. Cause it's all a test, right? You might take an idea to market. And go, this is the best thing I've ever done in my life. And people go, yeah, what's next? It's all a test. You might record your first video and go, oh my God, that sucked. It doesn't matter. It's just a test. 
right? Because if you don't label it that way, you're going to put too much stock in the outcome of what you do. And I don't necessarily think that is a good way to handle things. I think you should put a lot of, I want to word it carefully. Your worth is not determined by what other people think of you. All right. That's an inner game, what your worth is. Your value is determined by the market. though. So what you bring to market, how much you get paid, well, that's because of service you render, right? So that's 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 a different dynamic. And it's totally right to say that, you know, you don't bring a lot of value to market. So of course you're not going to get paid a lot. So that's that's and you get to determine that, right? You get to create that. You get to say, I've got the skills to work with high paying clients. Or you know what? I don't want to do that. I just want to have a lot of clients who are paying me a little bit, you know, like five bucks a month or 10 bucks a month. And I'll just deliver a podcast and use Patreon or whatever is popular for people to support me through. I'll just take that as crowdfunding. No worries. Your business model is up to you, but your value will come from that service you provide. But the worth, well, that's a different thing, man. That's insight, right? That's what you believe about yourself. And so I would encourage you not to wrap up your self-worth in something you create. It's really difficult to do that form of detachment. But you have to remember, I mean, look, you're creating for yourself for sure, but you also, if you're in business, you're creating it to solve a problem or a solution. And so you're really testing what is the solution that's going to land for me? What are people going to enjoy from me, right? Like if, if I'm teaching dancing or if I'm doing coaching or if I'm teaching someone to public speak or how to get the most out of their life or how to build their relationships or like, like I've got to know what is going to resonate for that person versus any other information they're getting from other sources. And I've definitely found if you follow the money and if you follow the success, it's really easy to recognize, ah, the test is feeding back to me what's working. And it's equally very important feeding back what isn't, which is why I believe if you can frame things as a test, it's way more exciting. Your value, Your value is then determined because the tests start to show you this is working, then your value goes up because you're making more money, but your worth isn't tied into that test failing because that's where I believe that coming back from failure is so critical. Well, because it's not really failure if it's a test, right? It's like the test can fail, but you're not the failure. Do you get what I mean? That's the philosophy. One of the things I do with my coaching clients is help them structure out a failure philosophy because I think it's more important than a victory philosophy because it's much easier to handle life when you have that innate idea of, all right, I'm aware failure will happen. I'm aware things won't work out. Well, let's determine what failure means to begin with, just like success. What does failure actually mean? Is it a, is it a defeat? Is it like Napoleon Hill says, a temporary defeat? Is it something that is actually there to wipe me out? Or is it a way for me to learn? Is it actually a way for me to actually grow? Because I believe the mistakes that you encounter through life are nature's teaching methods. And I believe that failure is 100% a necessity for success. Like you have to have it to succeed. Like you, you couldn't have it any other way. It's like saying, I just want bread, but I'm not going to have any yeast in there or salt, or uh, I'm not going to let it like bake properly. It's like, okay, cool. So you've got flour and that's it. You're never going to have anything you can eat from just flour without other ingredients. And so one of the ingredients to having a successful business, to making money, impacting people, providing service and providing value to the market, part of the recipe of having all of that is knowing 
that it's a test and you are going to drop the ball way more than you think. Things are going to fall over. You're going to make a shit ton of mistakes and more than you want to know up front, which is totally good. But that's the reason. You need those as part of the recipe to actually build the life you want. Because when all is said and done, when all the crumbs and the dust is there just around you, you have that beautiful, fresh, delicious smelling sourdough loaf. You're like, yes. You had to crack into that. You just clean up the mess. You don't worry about what it took to make that happen. You have the result left over to show your victory. And how you got there is your war story that you can share to help inspire others. And so that's what happens with me. And I encourage that for you. Look at things as a test and don't put so much stock in it. Be a little detached from its outcome because it's going to help you make clearer and more concise decisions about what you need to do. And let that feedback sit with you well. Like let it go, okay, cool. Well, what I thought was good maybe isn't. Cool. Time to iterate off that because we work together, right? Like it'd be great if we could just control the entire world and dictate everything 100% of the time. But if you really think that's a good idea, well, maybe pause for a minute and think if you got everything you wanted and you never actually failed, what would that do for you? What would it actually do? You would be depressed because there'd be no joy. There's no victory if you don't have the pains of defeat, right? Those pains of getting punched in the face. And unfortunately, marketing and society is really to blame for that. It's like everything should be easy. Everything should be less pain. Everything should be uh, more victory with less spoils. If you walk into the ring in a world championship boxing match and you expect not to get hit in the head, there's not a lot I can do for you on this podcast. So go forward confidently. Go forward with the idea in your mind that everything you're doing going forward is a test. It's just a test. You're going to iterate off it. And I hope it brings you a lot of joy perceiving things in a new way and reframing your perceptions around failure to realize it's necessary for you to get to where you need to go. I want to thank you for being here. I'll see you in the next episode.